can I say won't give it up? Brian McKay, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here, Brian. Yeah, nice to finally meet you. I went to I went to grade school or high school with the Ryan McCabe. You didn't grow up in South Hadley, Massachusetts, though. Not that I can recall. <laughs> I grew up in Quincy, Illinois. Yeah, I saw that. What was that like? Um, it was, you know, idyllic. Yeah. In some sense, like we're like in this um, suburb of Chicago, or no, like oh. uh, no, I grew up on the banks of the Mississippi River. No shit. The the thing about Illinois is like Chicago runs it, and I love Chicago. But yeah. Chicago is like where everybody is. But there's the rest of Illinois. If you look at it on a map, the rest of it is like um, rural yeah. and farms. And it used to be manufacturing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I grew up in this town that used to be the county seat, which would Adams County. Uh-huh. So it used to be a big Shout deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it used to be a big deal. Make some noise. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Quincy. <laughs> So it used to be a big deal because Mm -hmm. of the river. The river Mm -hmm. was the main thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like the Mississippi River. Like that's that's the big uh, trade and and uh, manufacturing and all that stuff. So it used to be there. It's not that anymore. You know, it's it's like, um, I don't know. It's it's sort of like isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's why I moved. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I loved growing up there because. there's lots of talent there. Like there's hmm. lo- lots of good musicians and, and people, you know, that why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's all that talent in Quincy? I think because, you know, uh, back when I grew up, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff to do. So, mm. so music was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'd have these, these parties and you didn't have a, a DJ, you mm-hmm. had a band. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a music community and there always was one. And so I, when I got into that, you know, um, there was always something to do. Mm-hmm. There was always gigs to have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that it sort of informed my music career in some sense, because I'm working with people and they're these old guys that have been around forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. You know, they would show me this core change or that, that, you know, just mm-hmm. little things. So, yeah, I, I think that's, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you're in that bubble, you, it's a big deal to be like in the newspaper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big deal to headline the, the big club in right, town. Right. Uh, and those things are like, these little landmarks that you do as you go along the way. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a, a sense of confidence, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, recognition. Recognition. S- someone is recognizing what I'm doing. I mean, that's a big thing for right. any kid. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because, you know, I got kids now and, and they look for that, but they find it online mm-hmm. where, like, we had to hustle mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. We had to really hustle. Mm-hmm. like And... You know, we'd fight with other rival bands and stuff like that. And like, and we would dream of one day headlining that big club mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. You know, it, it, it makes you, it makes you, uh, I guess, different in some way, like where you, like you understand what, what the game is. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you hustle, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, you understand the hustle. Let's talk about kind of finding your instrument, what was inspiring to you, like music, maybe it was a record or, you know, a band that your folks really loved that, that was, you know, impressionable, influential uh, to you kind of early on. Yeah. Good question. Love this one. I'm (laughs) very, I'm very, (laughs) I'm very weird. Like uh, my mom uh, had a record collection and she loved music. And did, did either of your folks play at all or, or? uh, no, my dad, well, well, no, they didn't play music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like the first in my family to play anything, hmm. but it comes from my cousin. Um, like we were kind of, he was older than me, but, um, we, he, he was in the guitar world mm-hmm. as well. So he was like my main influence. Hmm. But as a kid, um, uh, my mom's record collection was. Donna Summer, Barry Manilow, mm-hmm. all this stuff that's very, I look back on it now, like it's corny, right, to most people, but when you look back on it, it really did inform me, like, about chord changes, mm-hmm. and like, 
um, melody. There's a depth in mm-hmm. in the in the chords themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a C chord. It's a C major seven at eleven. Mm-hmm. Shit like that is going on. Like listen to uh, Saturday Night Fever, that song. Um, How deep is your love? There is a chord in there that Blue Weaver plays on the piano. That's like a a C sharp <laughs> seven at eleven. Mm. And it's like, it's a tritone sub. It, I'm getting deep in the weeds, but, <laughs> but it's that stuff. Like when mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening to that when I'm five, right. you know, and I'm, and I was a kid that could play the records and I would put it on. And so my, uh, I have an older brother, Kevin, who, um, had some records too. So he, he got for his gosh, dang seventh birthday. He got two records, news of the world from queen hmm. and kiss destroyer. <laughs> awesome <laughs> so those records come into my pur- yeah. purview right um and off we go yeah and it was my my I had a friend in in fourth grade called ken dobbs and he, his parents had like the cool records and i borrowed from him kiss alive one the first kiss alive record yeah. and that was the game changer for me yeah because you listen to the bombastic shit in right. that record and you go Okay, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this for a living, <laughs> because suddenly uh, you could be a fireman or a doctor or a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could be an astronaut. But right. I like, oh no, that sounds fun. I remember growing up, and my, my I have an older brother who had a bunch of Kiss records, and I identified with Gene Simmons, but I had no I had no desire to play bass, right? Right. I, I eventually became a drummer. Yeah. So did you like immediately connect with Ace Freely or did you have like another favorite member of Kiss? I, that... I used to bounce around on my um, <laughs> bed in in my bedroom and I had a tennis racket uh-huh. and I, I would like air guitar uh-huh. and I was Paul Stanley and, and Ace, Ace Freely. I would do, I was singing and playing the, the <laughs> guitar solos and I'm cool with letting someone else sing when Gene sings. It's like, cause I'm, <laughs> I'm that's my boy. <laughs> That's my boy over there. <laughs> that is awesome. I do, I do find it, you know, kind of fascinating, um, you know, ha- folks that were into music and having older brothers or cousins in your in yeah, your example that sure. can introduce these different flavors at the very impressionable time. Yeah, and you really, you know, and it, and it and it it informs you maybe in ways you don't even recognize right now but at the time it's like oh my god that is incredible what is it i gotta figure this out you know so it sounds like you had a healthy dose of of a variety of things i did yeah Yeah, i was you know i grew up in a family that uh, appreciated music and in in a time where music was records Mm -hmm. you know or tapes Mm -hmm. my older brother kevin had um he won a soccer game and got uh rock and roll over on cassette you know (laughs) and we went down in the basement we had these flat these flat um uh tape players remember like you do dictation mm-hmm, on them mm-hmm. yeah those, I know. Yep, yep, yeah yep, yep. yeah so we'd have those and he got that rock and roll over and then he got uh peter chris's solo record hmm. so which everyone hates a kiss fan hates the peter chris solo record really i don't think to, i've heard it but to me it's a kiss record so it doesn't matter yeah. i'm i'm six yeah so i'm like this is what music is yeah like talk about informing you. Like I got Donna Summer, Barry Manilow. I got Kisses, Peter Chris solo record. Right. I got Dynasty for my seventh birthday, that which is the disco Kiss record, <laughs> and and it's like all this stuff. You know, that's yeah. just, this is what music is to me. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of a weird duck. Like people don't, uh, appre- like all that stuff. Okay, here all that stuff has complex chords in it, mm-hmm. like compound chords and and, and all these these moves and like later I go to play with Louis Prima. But if you listen to the Peter Chris solo record, it's totally, it totally makes sense hmm. because he is doing, he loves jazz and swing. He loves Louis Prima. Hmm. And later I play with Louis Prima Jr. Hmm. So it all made sense to me. You know, it's like, what, what's everybody going? Why are you playing this music? <laughs> did, did Peter, um, I mean, he was obviously the drummer. Yeah. Did he play other instruments or did he, was it basically a, a kiss, no. kiss, just doing his tunes or what? No, and no. He was the, singing. Like I'm he confused. sang. He sang. He barely even played drums on it because he had gotten a car accident. There's a whole bunch of Kiss lore. You have mm-hmm. to go and find the Kiss lore about the uh, Peter Chris solo record. But I, I think I think it's 
a really good record. I yeah. think it's recorded well, and and there's good songs on it. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy about songs. Like, yeah. what's a good song? Yeah, you know. Huh. <laughs> so how does all right? So you're six, seven years old. At what point do you do you do like the school band thing, or do, did you just find a guitar? Like, walk me through that kind of process. No, I I didn't do band. Um, I was in ninth grade, I think. Um, I started taking guitar lessons, and uh, I met a guy called Jay Briscoe, and uh, we we're in gym class, and we're sitting on the gym floor waiting to play, whatever basketball or mm-hmm. run sprints or whatever the fuck we were doing, <laughs> uh, and uh, he was telling me he just bought a new keyboard, and I said. Oh, okay. Um, he's like, yeah, it's a Yamaha DX7. It's like the best. <laughs> Top of the line. Top of the line. <laughs> DX7. Love it. <laughs> Which is still an iconic keyboard. Yeah. Right? So he got it. And uh, I turned to him and said, I've got a guitar on layaway, <laughs> which was, which was a drag because I would take, le- I was taking lessons and I had this uh, Kramer striker on layaway Um we would, you know, do monthly installment payments, right. you know, but I would be able to play it during my lesson because it was the same music store. Uh-huh. So my teacher was at this music store. We have this guitar on layaway. Every every week I would unzip the gig bag and do my lesson and then have to put it back. No, you couldn't even take the guitar home. Couldn't to, even. Could, to couldn't, practice? No. What the heck is going on? I had a, a piece of shit uh, acoustic guitar to go home and practice to. But, uh-huh. So um, I told briscoe that I, I said hey man i got a guitar he's like well you should come and jam with us jam Let's do and this. so yeah so <laughs> so he lived on uh uh on a street like four, four four five streets down from me and uh he had his buddy mark uh mclaughlin who played keyboards and he had like a korg oh, synth like an yeah. analog synth. nice and i i was uh so out of my depth i could not play i didn't know how to huh. play huh and uh, so, anyway, we formed a band. And uh, what was the name of that band? That band was called Crossfire, mm. and we played our my very first gig ever was New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty six into eighty seven, and uh, yeah, it it went horrible because <laughs> <laughs> was it just two keyboards and a guitar? <laughs> it was two keyboards, a guitar. We had a bass player, okay, uh, Kevin Reeve, and uh, but Richie's bass drum pedal broke so we had to take a break and kevin (laughs) kevin took my guitar and uh i knew i had this um issue with my input jack Mm -hmm. and i'm like i gotta baby it i literally had duct tape Mm -hmm. because the input jack well kevin just because we were on downtime while richie was fixing his bass drum (laughs) like (laughs) kevin hey man uh i was playing your guitar and uh I unplugged it, but everything came out. Oh, yeah. So the input jack's gone. Right. And then you're 14. Right. So what do you do? So that was the end of the gig. <laughs> Everyone go home. No, it was it was at a roller rink. So it was an all-night skate. It was a lock-in. Oh, They yeah. called it a lock-in. Right. So, like, you're there until, like, 8 in the morning. Right. And uh, 10 o'clock, the guitar's gone. Yeah. And uh, that's that. Oh, my gosh. It was horrible. <laughs> But you, I've had better better gigs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Every day is a little better than the yeah, last. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, that's was that high school? You said no. You said ninth grade. Yeah, um, that was yeah, high ninth grade ish. Yeah. yeah. So freshman. And did you do uh, the college thing? I went to school for uh, like a junior college for like a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then. My band that I was in at the time was going to go on the road, so I bailed, and mm-hmm. I never finished. Hmm. So I'm not college educated, really. What um, <clears throat> What did that tour look like? Uh, nothing. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete disaster. Honestly, you know, one of the best things that happened to me because as a kid, you know. I, I, I do these things, I play guitar and I'm the first one that does that in my family. Yeah. You know, like no one really gets it. Um, my mom and my dad are like, you need to go to school. You need yeah. to do something. I mean, get real. Right. 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 Look at you with the long hair and <laughs> right. You know, and, uh, by the time we get to the 
the thing where I'm in college, junior college. Um, I I get to this point where I'm like, I don't even want to do this, right? Because I'm gonna be a musician. You you guys don't get it. Like you guys don't freaking get it. I'm gonna be a musician. Yeah. And they go, <laughs> come on, <laughs> right? Be real, right? And one of the best things that happened was when when my mom told me, she goes, you know what? Go do your music. Don't go to school. That's fine. Huh. And and that was like, <sighs> right. You know, what a relief. That, yeah, exactly. Because you have these people over you that are going, no, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. Yeah. My mom's like, Ryan, school's not for you. <laughs> you need to go do your music. That's literally wow. what she said. That's huge. And it was, yeah. it was, it was like, and now, but, but also it's not only a, a burden lifted, but it's like, I'm going to show you something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you that you're right, mom. Right. I'm going right. to show you. Right. It reinforces the the drive that you already had, totally. Right? But being given, you know, some sort of permission to pursue it, yeah, it lights the fire a little bit. It does. Well, you now you have um, someone to answer to, right? So they said, and hold you accountable too. Hold you accountable, yeah. Like if that's what you want, go do it, right? And then so, you know, here we are, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there are a couple of years in between <laughs> <laughs> that <of> moment. <laughs> so, so what ha- So you leave junior college. I'm assuming it's still in Illinois. Yeah. Okay. And when do you get to Arizona? My brother went to ASU, Arizona State, mm-hmm. and uh, he loved it. And I, I had done a lot of stuff in Illinois, um, but I got to a point where I kind of like, okay. If I'm going to do this, I I, I got to get out of here, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't make a living playing music in that small town. Mm-hmm. In a town of 30,000 people, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's not enough gigs. There's not enough anything, really. And if you want to do what you want to do, you know, you got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So Kevin, my older brother, went to uh, ASU, loved it, and he moved back to Arizona. And he called me and he said, I got a job in Phoenix. And I said, take me with you. He goes, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I go, take me with you. I will, I will, I'll, I'll pay half the rent. You, what? Because <laughs> my brother, my older brother, Kevin, although he has a affinity for Kiss records and Peter Chris tapes, but he's like, uh, wait, what? Yeah. You've got everything going on here. But I'm like, no, I need to get out. Yeah. I yeah. need to, I need to, uh, recharge restart mm-hmm. which was the best decision i ever made in my life yeah because you you build these things up you know you you do all these things you play these gigs and all this shit i did in um illinois but then uh the courage to walk away from it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and build a new thing that's yep. i knew i needed that because i got to this point where i couldn't go any further mm-hmm. where i was so right. i was like okay i'm gonna start Start, uh, start something new. Well, it's the whole, you know, it's the whole big fish in small pond totally. c- scenario. And, yeah. and now you're moving to a huge metropolitan area with most likely better musicians, mm-hmm. you know, or, mm-hmm. or worse. It's just a broader uh, spectrum, you right. know. Right. And you get to readjust where you fit. Right. Within that, within that market, you know, and then. Yeah, you have to you have to start you, you break it down to, to build it back up again. And what was, you know, some of those early gigs when you moved out here? And what year was this roughly? Uh that was 1998. Hmm. All right, so Tempe's happening, you know, a, a really yeah, a really yeah. big music scene there. Yeah. And you get to you kind of get dumped into on the mill and and what do you do? I didn't really go to mill. Hmm. I I answered ads in the New Times. Hmm. Um I went I found a paper, uh, the New Times, uh, and I answered some ads uh, looking for a guitar player. Hmm. And I, <laughs> I went to the, the ver- first one I got. The first thing I did actually is buy a, a Stratocaster, a Fender <laughs> Stratocaster. I had no money. Mm-hmm. I had not a dime. When I moved to Phoenix, I had nothing, like a hmm. bag of clothes and a Marshall JCM eight hundred. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the last gig I did in Illinois. Um, 
they they wanted me to play this to kind of fill in and I was at such a low ebb in my life that I I didn't even have a guitar that was working. Hmm. And I went and bought a guitar for $150. It was a Squire, like Affinity Strat, mm-hmm. just to do this gig that mm-hmm. paid $100. So I lost $50. <laughs> right. So I had that. That was my only working guitar was an Affinity Strat for $150 mm-hmm. when I moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And a Marshall JCM 800 and um, a cabinet that went with it, mm-hmm. which was an Ampeg 412. But, um, yeah, uh, anyway... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love the I love the economics of starting. You know, like uh, you talk about starting over, right? Yeah, right. And everything I bet, was gone. And I bet that cab. You know, did you drive out? Yeah, I drove out. So that cab probably takes up half of your car. Yeah, right. So you have. Yeah. I got a, I got room for some clothes, and I'll throw the guitar in the trunk or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, it was like the lowest of the low. Yeah, for me at that time, and uh. I remember driving out and saying goodbye to everybody. You know, it was, it was rough. It mm-hmm. wasn't easy. You right. know, it was like, and then a lot of your friends go, uh, see you in six months. Right. Right. But like, there was a, a couple friends. I know Don Van Dyke, my buddy, um, his, the friends would say, Ryan will be back in six months. And Don goes, no, he won't. Yeah. He's never coming back. Yeah. You don't know him. Like I know him. Yeah. And I, I always appreciate when I when I heard that, yeah. I was like, at least somebody got it, right? Because like you don't get it, man. Right. I'm not coming back. Yeah, you know, I'm starting over. It's Phoenix, literally Phoenix right. rising from the ashes. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, from the depths of a $150 guitar. Yeah, you know, and the, that's why I said the first thing I did when I got to Phoenix is buy a $750 Fender Stratocaster. Uh huh. And uh, I had no money. I had no job. I had no nothing. I had a credit card. Yeah. So I'll pay it off. Yeah. And uh, and I answered the ad in the New Times. Went to the <laughs> went to the um, Rehearsal. audition yeah, audition. audition. Uh, this is a great story. Um, so I go. I didn't have the. I had the. Uh, I had the Fender. Like not the Fender yet. Barely. I had the cheap ass thing, and I had this really cheap ass little practice amp that I brought with me as well. I mean, like a $20 like uh-huh. champion 20 is what you call it now. And I go to this audition and, uh, it's in this really shitty shady part of town, you know, like, uh, down in Phoenix, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they got this rehearsal space and I walk in, um, and I'm like, so like freaking out about this neighborhood, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So I walk in, I got my guitar and my amp and, uh, I, <laughs> I come in and these guys, they're like, really standoffish they're they go like right. they're hot shit or whatever like yeah okay yeah so they're like uh mm-hmm. hey hi i'm ryan i'm i'm here for the audition <laughs> okay can you play <laughs> like i think i can play all right plug in you write songs i go yeah i write songs <laughs> and they're just like i like Shh. to play <laughs> <laughs> so they're so they're like, so they're like looking at me like uh, who's this who's this kid oh uh, look at this idiot you know yeah what was the first tune that you guys played I I I sat there for the audition and I played a song I wrote called Machine uh-huh. and I wrote that because when I was living in Illinois I had my first like nine to five job and I felt like yeah it's like a machine so if it's riff that's like da da bum ba da 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 Right. So it's like a machine. Right. Yeah. And I write and I got this song and I got all the vocals. I got all the words. I got everything. I sing it. And I get uh, halfway through the first chorus of that song. And those assholes start laughing at me. Huh. They're laughing. And and I'm singing. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. I got my little $150 guitar and my little nothing amp. Yeah. And I'm singing and I'm playing my heart out. And they're laughing at me. And I stopped after somewhere in the second verse, you know. Yeah. And they went, we're really sorry for laughing at you. You're fucking amazing. Ah. Do you have more of these songs? I go, I got a shit ton more of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like big hugs and like they they finally they they finally found their guy. Yeah, you know. And what was that band? 
that was South 17. That we were called South 17. We um we played around like the Joe's Grotto stuff sure. like in Phoenix. Yep. That was my first band. Mm-hmm. And uh we got a deal with Electra. But what what we didn't really it, we were just like a spec deal like mm-hmm. they wanted to hear stuff. Yeah. And uh, that led to uh, another band called Super Soul Fighter, where I wrote all the songs because I had the contact guy from Electra, mm. so I wanted to send him some more stuff. So that's where I hooked up with AD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. So you've known AD for a long time. Twenty years, better. Boy, pff, 23, 24 yeah. years. Yeah. So you're new in Phoenix. You have a band. You start working. Did you did you have a day job too? I mean, just to just to cover some bills. I I worked at Guitar Center um, when I first moved there. And I, I, at some point I had to quit cause I had to go back to be a part of my buddy's wedding. One of my, my bass players, I think it was my bass player's wedding. Anyway. So I decided I wanted to do data entry somewhere huh. cause I could type, you know, yeah. I had typing skills and 10 key <laughs> skills. So yeah, I yeah, worked yeah. at, uh, at, my first job was, um, at American express huh. and, uh, that's where I met my wife. Wow. Yeah. So That's it all, cool. all all of this shit was happening like in 1999, 98, you know, all that shit, you know, yeah. everything just worked. I mean, it was like magic. Yeah. Like the, the rebirth thing came. So f- I look back now, I'm like, you know, five years doesn't seem that long <laughs> to me anymore because right. I'm so old. <laughs> but like the shit that happened in 1998, 99 and 2000 yeah. was unbelievable. Like it was like a... a just a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any memories of, uh, so you said you didn't even really hang on mill. So you, you no. weren't really a part of that scene. What, what no. scene were you in? Was it like a heavier kind of thing? No, it was like the North Phoenix, um, West side, uh, heavy metal side. Got you. At, at, at the beginning. But then I met AD and then we kind of formed our own little scene. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, meeting AD was really a game changer as well because, you know, this is a guy that's, He's an amazing drummer. I always need a great drummer. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I the can't. world needs more great drummers. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is he a great drummer, but he's like this uh, enthusiastic yeah. like guy. Yeah. Like the two of us together, you know, it's like we could move mountains. Yeah. Like we could just create shit out of whole cloth. Like yeah. literally create shit like from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's cool about AD. And then, then that I think that's why we get along so well. Mm-hmm. It's because we just we made like that, that thing I answered an ad in the new times when I first moved to Phoenix, um, in what, 1998 in 2005, I was on the cover of that magazine. Hmm. Hmm. So for, for, for crash street kids, crash street kids. Yeah. yeah. And that was the band that you formed with AD Adams. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So like we, once we got together, it was like, okay, me and you, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to own this town. Right. I mean, to me it was like, it didn't, (laughs) I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a narcissist. I'm not like a, that kind of person, but like my attitude is like, I moved to Phoenix and I'm going to do what I did back in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was in the papers. I was a guy that made records and playing the best clubs. I was like, I'm just going to do it in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why not? You know? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a challenge, but as soon as I met AD, it was like, holy shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're going to own this town. Yeah. And we did for a second, but that's, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. Right? right. Like it's not really a thing. Yeah. It's my... almost like I'm finding that, that, um, you know, you, you, you move, you go to LA if that's, if you want to be, right, if right. you want to be the thing, you right. know, and then you, you can say I'm from Phoenix, you know, and, and shout out to Phoenix or whatever, but it's, you, it's almost like you have to leave. Uh, on some level, but I, I don't, yeah. I don't have that draw that uh, LA doesn't pull me at all, but no, me I'd, either. I'd much rather be a working musician me too, and be a part of a really great community of musicians. And, and I mean, everyone can work and, and buy homes and cars. I mean, like <laughs> shit that I never thought that you could do, you know, when yeah. I was growing up in, yeah. in rural Massachusetts, it's like, mm. Wait, if you just play like a lot of music, you can buy a house. <laughs> it's like what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Is that a thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so talking about Crash Free Kids, um, did you guys do tours? Did you play locally? Was there label interest? And what was that music like? It was, 
Grassroot Kids was so so fun. You know, it, the thing about it was, you know, I, I I I'm a songwriter, and I I wrote this song called Sugar Queen, and and AD basically it's me and AD kind of like piecing together a studio. So I write this song called Sugar Queen, which sounds like an old Kiss song. Mm. You know, we all grew up on that those kind of riffs, Aerosmith or whatever, like Kiss and Cheap Trick and shit mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make that record because the thing about the when I when we go back to the like, the Electra thing, uh, the the spec deal that we had with Electra, you know, and I had the contacts in the A and R department at Electra. Um, they flat out told me like, you don't have a hit, so we're not interested. Hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like, okay, you know, it, it, back then, if you listen to KUPD, the, the local radio station in Arizona that was playing rock music, you know, it's like, no, we don't really sound like anything that's going on there. And I got so disinterested in rock and roll music, you know, from the current era mm-hmm. of 2001, 2002. It's like, go back. Can you name me a band like from that era? No, no. Right. Exactly. So I was so disinterested in it that um, I said, well, clean slate. Here we go again. Clean slate. Me and AD, like we're going to make a glam rock album. We're going to make a glam rock album, but not like 80s glam, 70s London, Mm -hmm. 70s London shit. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, so I write Sugar Queen and uh, we're piecing together a studio. and We're just having fun. We're not thinking about releasing it. Mm -hmm. We're just like. How close can we get to that sound just mm. for fun? It's a poker night. You know, me and you play poker on a Tuesday night, you know, or something. All your buddies come over. You know, me and AD had like a poker night every Tuesday night at Shabby Road at his studio. And we pieced together all the re- recording equipment. I had an eight track recording ADAT. And he had he had an ADAT. So we had 16 tracks. He had a mixing board, which is a piece of shit, but uh, it it sounds great. It was like Ramza. It's like from the 70s. But uh, so we record this this song, and we're like, huh, that sounds pretty good. So I wrote another song, and we brought that in. Huh, how about how about that? And we wrote another song. Yeah. And it's like I think this poker night is actually pretty fun. Yeah. So we. We start making these songs. I bring in these songs every Tuesday, you know, actually it's every other Tuesday because it was like drum tracks and, you know, rhythm tracks first. And then the next Tuesday is vocals and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And then next Tuesday after that is new song. And it, and it was like that for about seven years. Wow. Um, it was just too fun. Yeah. And so, so me and AD played everything on the first crash Street kids record pretty much. And, then we're like, we just kind of made a record here accidentally. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's get some guys. And and I, we knew Ricky Serrano. Yeah. Um, who is a brilliant guitar player. Yeah. But he had the look, and he he was into the glam thing too. Mm-hmm. And so he was perfect. So um, he came down. He played uh, a solo on on the first record. He and must have been a kid. He right? was like nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Yeah bunch of old guys <laughs> let's get a young kid in here and, oh, yeah, oh. let's bring the average age down <laughs> well i'm so glad we did because then we got deuce who was the same age uh-huh. like who's the bass player well uh this other guy ryan um who was the son of the girl that ad was dating oh jesus so ryan's the kid and uh so he's 19 20 yeah uh and so we call him Deuce because Ryan number two. Got it. So anyway, so that's Crash Street Kids. So I'm now, uh, now my old ass is flanked by two 20-year-olds. Right. And I'm 30, whatever the fuck. Right. Uh, how old would I have been? I was just turning 30. 31, okay. 32. You're the old guy. Yeah. yeah. Crazy when you look back. Well, AD's shit, the right? old guy. Right, right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> He's older than me. <laughs> so uh, so I've got to lose weight. i got to like, okay, shit. Right. i got to look good. <laughs> but I'm writing, writing songs and doing all this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, the Crash Your Kids thing was the, the, maybe the most productive 
thing of my career. Like yeah. if you look back, like that was like just output wise output. Yeah. Like, but when you, but also like I never stopped writing. I never stopped writing mm. even back when I was in Illinois and I moved to Phoenix and I got in that band mm. um, that didn't like me at first, but then liked me. I had a bunch of songs. Mm. And then when that band folded, I was still writing for him. And then I moved on to, um, an, I did an acoustic record and no one's ever heard it, but I did it. Mm. And then I did this concept record and I, Oh, the, uh, Electra spectra uh, spec deal. Mm. I wrote a bunch of songs for that. So I never stopped writing. Mm. I never, 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 never st- stopped writing. And so when crash Street kids came around, it's like, this, this is normal to me. Like you guys want a song, you get one every two weeks. And, Sometimes I'd, I'd have two or three songs and I have to pick the best one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so there's always something new and every record's a concept record too. So you got to write to the concept, mm-hmm. you know, so there's all this writing and writing. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm remembered for anything, it would probably be like that fucker could write a song. <laughs> he has songs for days. Yeah. You know, I can write, that's what I do. You yeah. Know? Um, the, and then we, <laughs> We did all this, the first Crash Tree Kitchen. So AD, AD is instrumental in, in the Crash Tree Kids for his passion for the production and the image. So I'm just, I'm just the mechanics of the songwriting. Like mm-hmm. I just write songs, but AD is a brilliant marketer. Mm-hmm. Like he like put that image on there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're on the cover of the new times and all that shit that we did, um, is because of AD. Like mm. the, the songs are the songs, but like that image and to have those two young guys and we did a double live record at Alice Cooperstown. Oh, wow. Young girls singing the words that I wrote. You mm-hmm. know? It's like, that's all AD. You know, mm. that's his thing. Mm. That's why I'm saying like we could move mountains together. Like mm-hmm. we could do anything mm-hmm. together. Mm. <laughs> and how long did that, did that band last? That was from 04 to about 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing was, I, I finally ran out of gas, mm. Brian. I, I did. I, at some point, you know, it's like we did this last record. I mean, the, the, the Crash Tree Kids records, um, the first three are so good. And AD and I joked that we'll do three studio records and a double live because that's what you did in the seventies because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kiss harder than hell and dress to kill and then kiss alive. Yeah. You know, or, you know, Peter Frampton, just, right. you know, right. You know, we, it was a joke, but actually we got there mm-hmm. and we're like, AD, we just finished our third record. <laughs> Let's get those ADATs and bring them to Alice Cooperstown and do yeah. two sold out nights at Alice Cooperstown. Nice. And we recorded it and we made it. And that was that. And, you know, I think like my writing had really gotten so good at that point and I was really proud of it. And, um, we tried to get that stuff over the hump, but it's like, you realize there is no hump. Mm-hmm. This is like, it's just a, it's flatlands mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. You got your little fans and that's that. Mm-hmm. And it really bummed me out. And we tried to get on a, on a tour and the tour fell apart. And so the yeah. only thing left to do was to make another record. And, uh, so we did this record called sweet creatures, which is a good record, but, uh, broke my heart because I was out of gas Mm -hmm. it. And I kind of fell on the, the thing where I, I couldn't, I couldn't push that music forward because I think every, everything I'd ever done had kind of got better and better, like, uh, or at least more experimental. Like I, you know, the last crash Street kids record before that, had like a nine minute song, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was almost a concept record, you know, Mm -hmm. like a, like a yes album. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so that's where my brain is. Like I need to push myself and push, push and be a better writer. And, um, I didn't think I'd captured that on the last crash street kids record. And that was the end of it. And I felt like I let the guys down because I'm the songwriter. And also we had, you know, internal struggles in the band and, there just wasn't a way out. Mm. There just wasn't a way to get that music over this non-existent hump that mm. we all put in our brains. You know. Do you think? I mean, that was a tough time for the music industry. Period. Right? Because radio is going away. Local promoters are getting 
you know, eaten up by Ticketmaster or, or Live Nation or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, people are buying fewer and fewer CDs. Like just the whole, uh, the in, just like the whole industry was was like in a state of flux and right and like yeah, make a record, great. But then what? And like you say, like you can sell it to your fans and okay, that's cool. Uh, but what is the next step? Like I don't think anyone knew what the how to get out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like how to get over the thing and get a tour together and get some promotion and have a have management or at least a booking agent or you know something. You know. P- push this thing forward yeah totally it was the last vestige in my own brain of being a rock star quote-unquote mm-hmm. like like getting your music to be in the top 10 or being a getting a grammy or whatever the right, fuck right. that you dream of when you're a child yeah you know it's like that was the end of it like sweet creatures was the end of it i go oh there's no way out huh. there's no way out of this um so then the 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 perspective comes now to writing a really good record you know but at that point i i didn't write at all uh-huh. i took 10 years off oh wow of i didn't write a thing i mean i wrote some shit but i had no idea huh. what to what to write and I, it was over like i was like i'm done i'm mm-hmm. done if i can't if if people can't listen to transatlantic suicide by crash tree kids or chemical dogs by crash tree kids and think that that's a great record and if, if people don't get it then I'm the one that's wrong, you know, and I think those records that it represents a really good songwriter, you know, but maybe, maybe I'm not a really good songwriter, so I'm done. So I'm going to just be in, uh, I told Ricky, the guitar player of Crash Street Kids, I I told Ricky, I said that Louis Prima gig that we, we, me and AD went off to Louis Prima and just did that. I was like a side, side player, Uh guitar player. I quit writing songs. I quit everything. And I told Ricky, I go, after Crash Tree Kids, I'd just as soon be behind the curtain. Huh. You know, and just, I could play guitar. That's it. I wanted to just quit. Uh-huh. Not quit, quit, but right. like quit making records. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you, I couldn't top mm-hmm. what we right. did in Crash right. Tree Kids. I couldn't top it. Yeah. And if that's rejected, then why, why go forward? Right. So it sounds like a self-imposed break exile you know? yeah, yeah exile how did you get that louis prima jr gig when i had that deal with electra um there was a band called super soul fighter it was me and ad and uh germ a uh, bass player germ and then pete lauren who's lead singer of trickster although like we we're really not a band band but we were just like recording songs and submitting them so it was more of a publishing mm-hmm. kind of deal mm-hmm. um but then we did have a gig <laughs> uh and jeremy germ couldn't make it so we hired this guy mikey bones we're opening for a band i don't know if you remember him called great white oh shit oh yeah yeah of uh, course so we're opening for great white and uh so we got this gig and uh Germ can't make it, so AG's like, well, I'll call my buddy Mikey. He can fill in. So Mikey comes in, and he's learned the parts. He's like, dude, I love your songs. He's like this really gregarious, like this awesome like presence, uh-huh. right? And uh, so we're, we're going to do a show with Great White, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, I know Jack Russell, the singer. We went shocking together. And I go, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> I go, so you went sharking. Which means what? Going fishing for sharks. Okay. With the singer of Great White. Okay. Like that is a bold opening. Sounds like a tall tale to me. It does. It's, it's a fish tale, yeah. right? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, we went sharking together. Yeah, me and Jack Russell. Well, we were so high. We were doing so much coke, you know. <laughs> One time, Jack's hitting him. There's a bat. He's like, he got this shock on the line, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. right. So, he, but he has the parts, right? And uh, so he, so we play this show. We did this gig. Uh, one of the few, like, we did like two shows just for the hell of it. And uh, so we did this great white show, and and my and I look at Mikey like we're getting ready to start. Like literally, like okay, we're on. And I look at Mikey. You cool? He's like, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. <laughs> and he nails it. And then we, we walk off stage and he sees Jack Russell, the lead singer of Great White, 
they're hugging it out. Uh-huh. Remember that time we went shocking? Yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit, this guy's for real. Yeah. That wasn't a fishtail. It That's was funny. actually. So Mikey, flash forward, how did I get to Louis Prima? Uh, Mikey was a guy that moved to Las Vegas after that shit with uh, Jack Russell and Great White. Um, he moved to Vegas. He meets Louis Prima. He's in Louis Prima's band. Got you. So Louis Prima says, I'm tired of these stuffy jazz musicians. I need rock and rollers yeah. who can actually play jazz. So Mikey calls me out of the blue. Rhino, I got a gig for you. But he always listened to that that music, that Super Soul Fighter music that we made, that the, the Electra deal, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That, that, that those that, those things that I that I wrote. He's like, dude, that shit's so good. But he always we always stayed in touch. I mean, this is like four, five, six years later. Huh. And he calls me out of the blue. He's like, Rhino, you play jazz, right? I go, yeah, I'm a guitar teacher. Yeah, so I I'm not a jazz player, but I can right. play it. Mm-hmm. I can read free music you know mm-hmm. and uh he's like got a gig for you so that's how we got into to louis prima mm-hmm. and which was the perfect thing at the time yeah because again like crash Street kids was over right and i just and you could be a side man you could just be I a rhythm guitar player welcoming being yeah. a side man yeah i just i relished in it i loved it yeah i loved it and i got to do um, all the things like as a touring musician got to do finally, you mm-hmm. know, cause none of my bands ever toured. Mm-hmm. We played even Crash Street kids. We didn't really tour, but now I'm on the road. I'm in a bus mm-hmm. and I'm doing all the things I'm yeah. going all over the country, all over the world. You know, it's like, Oh, this is so great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that, that was a, an, an awesome 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, that's all I wanted to do. And are, are you still, are you not doing it then anymore? Or? No, since COVID. Oh, got you. Yeah. Um, we, you know, when COVID hit, you know, the, there was sort of like, you don't know what's going to be on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And I've got a wife and kids and, um, I got an offer for a job at Bizarre Guitar mm-hmm. here in Phoenix. So I took it Yeah. and I called Louie and said, Hey, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Which sucks. You know, it sucks because, um, we made a record at Capitol. We made two records at Capitol. The first one, Blow, which is fantastic, and I'm a co-writer on it. And then we made another one, and it's not out yet. Hmm. And it's a fucking good record. Hmm. It's just not out yet. The label won't release it until he gets to touring. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, oh, dang. And um, I went to go see Louis, uh, one of my best friends, Louis. He's, he's awesome. Uh, he lives in New Orleans. Me and my wife went to New Orleans last, last fall, and he played me that record. Hmm. I hadn't heard it. Oh, wow. Uh, like with everything done, you know, I right. did the rhythm tracks and everything. And it's like, God dang, it's like record. God dang good. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. <laughs> so I did some writing every once in a while, but yeah. you know, it was like so nice to just, just be a guitar player. Yeah. Get out of the spotlight. That's one thing I, I feel really fortunate um, to be in a, in a variety of bands with a variety of roles. So I'm not always just a side man or not always just a front man. I, I get to, you know, as you as you kind of alluded to, you could just kind of blend into the background. Yeah. And then there are other projects where I'm out front, and then there's other projects yeah. where I'm just kind of peripheral or whatever. And I yeah. love that variety. Me too. You know. Yeah, exactly. Dude. And you can just like, no, I'm just I'm just a guitar player tonight. You yeah. Know? Maybe I'll sing some harms, but that you know that's yeah. it. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love, I love that. that. I yeah. love I love that role. Like, yeah. I I can I can front a band, but sometimes you just it's nice not. to just. Not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot, of, you know. It's a lot of dang work, man. Yeah, it is, and a lot of you know stress and pressure, and just a whole. You just have to you attack the gig in such a very different way. Yeah. Than just plugging your guitar in and and looking for cues, waiting for cues versus giving the cues. You know. Yeah. You know. Boy, what a great point that is. Um. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this new record. I you sent me the link and I and I, I checked it out and I was like, you know, as you were describing some of the influences of your early years um i felt like you can really hear that mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. in those recordings certainly i was like I'm not, I'm not a huge cheap trick fan i don't know a ton of their music but i was like this this sound this reminds me of that was that like i mean pop pop yeah beatles yeah pop stuff yeah well so the album is um Ryan McKay and the broken brains and i've never done a solo record before i've recorded a lot of music by myself that I've never released. But once, um, you know, I don't want to put it on COVID because I actually started this before COVID was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a new computer. The thing about like those, that decade with Prima is that I didn't have any recording 
gear. Like, remember, we talked about ADATs. Yeah. Like, those ADATs are gone. They don't work no more. No. So I don't have a multi-track recording studio at my disposal anymore because literally the tape doesn't work in <laughs> and you can't buy ADAT tapes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I got this, um, new computer and I got Apple logic, which I think you're using right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it to death. Yeah. Um, and I started writing songs again. Like, I think I'm going to make a solo record and just see what's up. Isn't it crazy though, how a new piece of gear can inspire creation i mean totally i mean i remember the first time i got you know my your first imac and you open garage band and and i and i i just i was lost for for weeks digging into this thing <laughs> yeah. and yeah multi-tracking and oh my god the fucking possibilities and oh my there's drum loops and synth bits and yeah. oh, i can do all of this right here yeah you know yeah and that it's... totally unlocked and that hit right at the right time for me when i was writing starting to write more and it was like felt like a new idea every week and I could, I could cut it and share it and play it with my band like that Friday or whatever. I was yeah. just like crazy how a new bit of gear, a new, a new advance in technology can just open up the floodgates. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I'm, we're simpatico yeah. there on that. You know, yeah. it really was something that what for me, because I took so much time off of like, cause I had that thing where I wrote like, every i had a new song every two weeks no there's you know and that ended and there was a decade where i was sideman mm-hmm. and so i had to get back into the songwriting thing you know and uh the thing was is like i realized man uh i suck at this <laughs> <laughs> i have all this like you said you have all this new gear and you have all this stuff and you have everything at your disposal and i'm frozen yeah i'm frozen because what i need is a song. Mm-hmm. I need the song. You can have all the gear you want, yeah. but I need a fucking song. Right. A good one. Not yeah. this bullshit. <laughs> I need a good one. So <laughs> so I, I think I wrote like 10 songs, 12 songs. I don't know. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. 2021. And Finally. So you were fi- creative during that time. I was writing. Hmm. I was doing the thing where I wrote a new song every week wow. or every other week. And, uh, were you working as well? Like I worked at, at the store. Gig? Oh, worked at Bazaar. Yeah. yeah Bazaar mm-hmm. guitar. Yeah. And so I'd have my Mondays off and that was creative day, quote unquote. Uh-huh. And, uh, sometimes I would just sit there and go, I don't I'm not very creative today. You know? <laughs> yeah. But at least you tried. <laughs> you checked in. I, I, sat, I sat there. You punched I the sat clock. there in my chair, in my right. rocking chair and went, nah. Not today. Don't got it. <laughs> that was creative day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's why it took so goddamn long to get this record done. But I finally hit a few good songs and I'm like, okay, that's a good song. Yeah. And that's a good song. Okay. Now we're going. Yeah. Now we're going. Now the juices are flowing. We're getting that muscle. Yeah. I said it in one of my YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Ryan McKay Music. Uh, if you look at that, the, the, Every song has a, a its own video, and the, there's track three on that record, FIB. That's the one where it's like an old song, but I say in that video, like, songwriting is a muscle, and if yeah. you don't use it, it can atrophy. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I was a really good songwriter, and then I wasn't, because I quit so- writing songs. One is, I mean, is it because, 
like you knew too much or you had set a, a, a bar too high for yourself. Like, I feel like right when you start to write, you don't really have a limiter. You, you don't like it's anything's possible. Right. right. And, I, and, and I'm just going to create to create. and Yay. My new song. <laughs> but then at some point it's like, well, I don't want to say the same. I've already said, ha, said this thing. I don't want to say it again. Yeah. And I already have a tune that kind of does that. Yeah. And I, you know, so it's like the more you do, at least the, I, I guess it's what happened to me, but you know, you just get to a point where it's like, I don't know what else to say. I feel like I've said a bunch of shit. Everything you and, just said is completely true yeah. for me. Yeah. Like I set the bar too high. Yeah. I feel like I said it all before. Yeah. So, um, where do you go from there? Yeah. And that's why I stopped. Yeah. You know, for that decade of, I mean, I kind of wrote, I, I kind of dicked around with things, but I mean, I mean, I wrote for Louie, but that was another thing. Like mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. just helping out. It's a out. different thing. I was helping out mm-hmm. uh, almost a sideman writing, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, that, that's, a, that is a, exactly how the songwriter's mind works because you feel like you've done it all before, um, and better. Yeah. So like, why would I do a lesser? How can I top? The, the the last thing that I'm most proud of exactly so why would I make a lesser version right. of Mr. Starlight from Chemical Dogs right. which is my favorite Crash Street Kids song hello it's me I'm coming up can't wait to see Mars I made you laugh to bring what you want me to be cause I'll be anything banging on your hotel door oh why won't you let me in That's such a beautiful song, and it, it's like so perfectly, it's perfectly yeah, written right. in my stupid brain. Yeah. Like, and it just paralyzes you. Yeah. So that was 2020 for me in making Ryan McKay and the Broken Brains. You know, that's, it paralyzed me because mm. I, I was like, mm, dang it. I, I don't, I'm not beating it yet, mm-hmm. but you got to mm. push yourself and, and go, and forget all that. And that's mm. what I said in that video on YouTube. Like, hey, what's that again? What, Ryan, uh, Ryan McKay. Music. Ryan McKay music on YouTube. Yeah, yeah you can. Uh, there's a um, uh, a video for every song on the record. On the new solo record. On the new solo record, Ryan cool. McKay and the Broken Brains. Cool. Yeah, and uh, it just you have to kind of forget about that. And it's not about. And I don't think I re- really repeated myself or did a lesser version of anything. I mm-hmm. just think it was something new. Mm-hmm. The, um, I, I kind of pushed myself into new territories that I hadn't been before. And it's sort of like, again, we go back to this thing, like the theme of our conversation today, um, blank canvas, um, mm-hmm. starting over. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really is that where you throw everything away and start anew. And that's what the broken brains is. You know, I, I got a upright piano, and I wrote a lot of song on, on, on piano and um, just just weird little things and all the instrumentation and all the things that you were just saying about Logic where you have all this garage band, you have all these things at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And it and it sort of became rather than intimidating or or um, intimidating or you know, restricting in some mm-hmm. ways, but it let me like I have everything at my disposal. Okay, let's reinvent um my songwriting hmm. it's like me and you logic together we're gonna reinvent uh who ryan is because mm-hmm. they're like i've never done a solo record solo record because i don't know i i, I don't know what kind of fucking record am i gonna make mm-hmm. i just played jazz swing for 10 years <laughs> i was in a glam rock band right and i was in a hard rock band right open for great white 
Right. What what the fuck am I gonna? <laughs> <laughs> but that and that was the that was the thing. Uh, it's like, is it a good song? Yeah. Is it a good song? Yeah. Does it have a hook? Right. You know, that was the thing. And then I got to use my my DAW, my all my Duh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, to make them into something. Yeah. You know, it is such a fun process. I mean, I love I love recording. Probably just as much as performing. I mean, I they're, do too. they're two different things, you know, different parts of your brain or whatever. But um, there's there is such satisfaction, uh, something from nothing. You know, yesterday it, this didn't exist, oh, and now man. it's completely fleshed out. What a great line! Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, we we will things into existence. Yeah, it's That's, exciting. It's, I love know, it. It's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, you know, good. It, it's uh it's a thrill yeah or it's something you beat yourself up over <laughs> right right yeah. it could be thrilling or it could be like you suck right. <laughs> <laughs> well so so folks can go hear the new uh broken brains record yeah if you go uh, i have a, a band camp which i really like i think band camp does a good do- a job for um independent artists mm-hmm. band camp so ryan mckay music bandcamp.com rhymekmusic.bandcamp.com um but check out my youtube channel um where i kind of walk you through the process that's cool um the the songwriting Mm -hmm. the inspiration for everything so i wanted to share that with everybody that's super cool that's a great idea thank you uh and then i got this great artwork from my daughter i think that's super cool and i and i want you to talk about that for a moment if you um zoe my daughter who uh wiggly worms on uh instagram wiggly dot worms i think it was uh (laughs) wiggly worms uh she is amazing artist she is a senior in high school right now as we speak um and i i go zoe can you draw you know some stuff for me for my album as the record was nearing completion. Yeah. And, uh, she's like, okay. So she draws, uh, I go, uh, let's call this character Brian. (laughs) And it's, and it, it, you know, you look at the cover of the record, um, and it's definitely me, (laughs) but, (laughs) but it's Brian for a couple of reasons. First of all, Brian Wilson, you know, yeah, that's kind of like where we're at. Cause it's like broken brain kind of, you think of Brian Wilson, you think of like the, um, the mental mm-hmm. um, stuff, and uh, you know, I I go through all the m- things about the broken brains. Like there's, there's all kinds of different mental things and stuff that I've dealt with: depression, anxiety, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so she draws this picture of, of this character we call Brian, uh, who you have a poster of right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm psyched. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Uh, and uh, then my son Alex, who's 14. Um, laid it all out. So when you press a record, you've got to do all these PDF files and send it to the the, right. the place. And it's so, got to fit the template. It's got to you know specs on it and bleed yeah, and exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Alex did all that. So and Alex did the uh, the record label um, logo as well. So mm. I got two very talented kids. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Family affair. Family affair. Well, that was the <laughs> thing. And then they sing some backup vocals. Oh, cool. When there's gang vocals and shit. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm just super stoked to have them with, with this thing. Like yeah. they're all, we're all kind of doing it together. That's awesome. The thing is like, um, the, the kids, like they were born, I was doing crash street kids stuff and I was like, not really, I was there and doing all this stuff and there was all this shit hanging on the walls and like, yeah, look at all the stuff your old dad did and all that stuff has been taken down. And now it's time for the kids to have their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted from it. Like, mm-hmm. like your old man's already done all this shit, you know? So I want you guys to be hanging shit on the walls yeah. now. Yeah. You know, and, and we do, we have the poster, we have the album art. Yeah. Um, we have an album in a frame. Cool. It's so, it's like, and they're, they're psyched. They, yeah. they love it. They, yeah. They, they, well, it, it's like normal to them, mm-hmm. which is weird. Right. Like, right. like, like my parents, like, could you imagine your dad right. like going, Hey, do some art for my album. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> no, that's, that's super cool. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to kind of do it and it goes off into the ether, but to have it in your hands, you know, the physicality of creating too. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful moment and a, and what a great reminder to them that, 
you know, being creative is a tangible thing yes. and you can, you know, you can monetize it. You can make a living from it, you know? Yeah. So I think that, that it's valuable on a, on a bunch of different levels. Absolutely. And they, you know, when that record came to my doorstep and we unboxed it, right? you know, they held it and it was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like they, it actually became real. Right. Like, you know, everything is on iPads and on iPhones and everything right. is digital. And then here comes this vinyl record which is purple by the way yeah cool and just hold it and you just go holy shit yeah this is and all her friends are like oh man that's yeah. freaking cool yeah you know yeah. so she's like the bell of the ball at that point you know Super same cool. for alex you yeah know? um yeah. yeah so i i you know it's been so fun to to have them and the whole family yeah it's not really a solo record. It's like a family record, a family record. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's what happens in our house. Yeah. And there's a piano in there. And I, before I came here today, I cranked up, we'll burn the sky by the scorpions on vinyl and showed it to uh, Zoe and her friend. It's like, why am I, sh why am I just listening to this on headphones? I'm going to crank it up right? and I'm going to show them why I think this is cool. Cause yeah. Uli John Ross solo is so badass. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, it just, this house is full of that creativity yeah and it and it's being shown because my daughter is such a great artist so is my son he's a he's a youtuber as well hmm. and it's just like this house is just full of creative energy love it i yeah i'm me too <laughs> but it, you know we go back to what what my mom say ryan yeah. school's not for you yeah yeah <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> finally <laughs> right 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 Ryan, I appreciate your time, man. Really enjoyed uh, hearing your story and uh, learning about your process. And I'm excited to check out those YouTube links because I, I I dug the record and it's just it was a, it's a really cool thing that you're doing. And and Thank I'm, you. I'm I'm thankful for your time. And I'm sure Bazaar is not far from here, so I'm sure I'll see you at Bazaar Guitars. Come say hi. I will, man. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>